0: There was a man who owned a uh, private airplane, and he would oftentimes charter it out for people who needed flights to wherever. And so there was this one particular guy, he decides that he needs to fly overseas, and so he hires this man to, to fly privately across the ocean. Well, as they're going across the ocean, the plane has mechanical failure. And not only are the engines going out, all the communications going out on the plane as well. And it looks like they're just going to crash into the ocean and and probably die. But the pilot, he spots a little track of land, an unknown sort of island, and so he sort of makes his way and, and he actually crash lands there on the island. Both the guys, they were okay, they were physically okay, but the plane itself was basically destroyed. Well, the passenger, he's freaking out about the whole thing. He's like, he's got his cell phone out. He's like trying to get signal, you know, trying to be able to talk to somebody and communicate, but that's not working. So eventually he goes down to the beach and he's like taking the rocks and he's like making the word help, you know, out of, out of rocks. And he's taking two sticks and he's rubbing them together, trying to create a signal fire. But as he's doing all this, he notices that the pilot is like eerily like calm about this whole thing. And so he goes to the guy and he says, what's going on? You're like so chilled out about this whole thing. And the pilot says, look, I'm a very, very wealthy businessman. And I own this plane. And I'm also a Christian. And I'm faithful. I, I, you know, read my Bible and I pray and I, I do everything that Christians do, including I tithe to my church. And since I'm very wealthy and I tithe in my church, I guarantee you my pastor is going to find us. So don't worry about it. <laughs> now, that's that's sort of funny, but I never want you to think that that's sort of the motivation for us as a pastor or as exponential, that, look, if you stop tithing, we're going to come find you. It's good that you give, and we talked about that last week, that, you know, tithing is something we are commanded to do. But... Uh, Again, it's it's not really for us that you're doing it. It's more so for you. In fact, I put this on your outline. It's something that I talked to you about a couple years ago. If you're taking notes today, that we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And that's so important to understand. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. God's going to take care of this church. So it's not about you taking care of us. This is about something happening for you. And see, we talked about this last week with Jesus, that he said that, look, wherever your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to be as well. Remember that? Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be as well. So this is the, a huge spiritual issue when it comes to, to tithing. Jesus knew the number one competitor he'd have for your heart is Money. And so that's why I say, look, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to have the, the blessed life that comes when you've given him your whole heart. It's so, so important. And so today as we wrap up our series in the book of Proverbs, I want to talk to you about something that goes beyond mere tithing because, see, tithing is actually just like the, the, the building blocks. It's like step A, What I want to talk to you about today is, what does generosity really look like? Where you take what's in your hand and you release it from your hand, no matter what that happens to be. Now, last week it was about money, but today I want to talk to you about all generosity. Not only just money, but your time and your talent, the testimony that you've been given. How do you become generous with everything that God has entrusted you with? Because here's the principle. When you release what's in your hand, God will release what's in his hand. And so we, we need to learn to become radically generous when it comes to how we live out our faith. So let's start in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 25. Solomon, is writing, he says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh, others will themselves do what? They will be, they'll be refreshed. And so it's so freeing when we make it our goal to become radically generous with everything that God has entrusted us with. Again, be generous with your money. Be generous with your time. Be generous with the talents that he's given to you. Be generous with all your possessions. So don't look at it as, you know, it's my house and it's my car. No, say, this is something God has given to me, so how can I utilize my house to glorify him? How can I utilize my car in order to do ministry for him to help reach more and more people for him? We need to learn to see everything as God's and lead this radically generous life. We need to live with open hands and say, God, you put it into my hand, and I thank you for that but at any time that you want to take it out of my hand, you can. Or any time you want to ask me to give what's in my hand to somebody else, God, I'm willing to give that. And Solomon says, when you start to live like that, it's refreshing both for you and for the person that you helped out. Now, there is one little caveat because how many of you would say, man, I would like to be refreshed in my life. I I would like to to know what that's like in my life. We would like that, right? And then Solomon's saying, look, when you refresh others, when you start to give to others, when you are radically generous, you yourself, you're going to be refreshed. Here's the caveat. How many of you remember when your kids were, I don't know, three, four, five, six years old, and you were teaching them how to share? Do you remember that age period? Do you remember what happened during that age period? They had their little toy that they just absolutely loved. And then the neighbor came over, or the friend came over, or a cousin came over, and you said to your little Johnny or Susie, Johnny, Susie, you need to share with your friend. And what did they say? No. No. And what did they do? They held onto their little toy with a tight fist. No, it's mine. But being the good, loving parent that you are, you continue to encourage them that, no, look, you need to learn to share. Now, I want you to imagine this scenario. Johnny or Susie goes, fine, and takes it and whips it as hard as they can, and it hits the kid upside the face. Now, are you going to commend little Johnny or Susie if, oh, that's such a good job, you're learning how to share? I mean, it is out of their hand. That's what you asked was, get it out of your hand. Are you going to commend them for that? No, you're not. Because even though it's out of their hand, they did it in the wrong way. And So here's what I put on your outline for you. The amount I give is not as important as how I give it. Again, the amount that I give is not as important as how I give it. Jesus, he actually addressed this at one point. He's watching people, they're giving their, their offerings, and he watches all the, the rich religious people, and they're making a big deal about the money that they're dropping into the offering box. You know, they're just, look at me, right? I'm giving a lot of money here. And then Jesus watches as this, this little old lady, she takes the last two coins that she has to her name, and she drops it in. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says this. Look, guys, she gave more than the rest of them combined. You're going, well, that, that isn't right. I mean, they were given a lot of, of money and, and she gave just two little coins. But again, it's not the amount that you give that matters. It's the heart. It's the attitude of how you give that matters. And so here's what else I put there on your outline. True giving passes through the heart before it's released from the hands. Let's go back again to last week. Let's go to what I said at the beginning of today's message. Whatever it is that you treasure is where your heart is going to be. And so we've got, to, we've got to get out of our hands the stuff that we have, our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony. Get it out of your hand. True giving passes through the heart before you're going to be willing to release it from your hand. Look, we are supposed to be growing to become more and more like Jesus every single day. That's the goal of Christianity. Yes, you've gotten his forgiveness for the, the forgiveness of your sins. But now his spirit lives in you and and his spirit gives you the, the power to become more and more like him, to do great and mighty things for him. So the result is you should not be the same today as you were yesterday when it comes to following Jesus. You shouldn't look the same this year as you looked last year when it comes to following Jesus. Each and every year you should be growing and you should look more and more and more like Jesus. And part of the way you're going to know that that happens and and part of the way that we're going to know that that's happening in your life is you're going to become radically generous. If you're not radically generous, you are not becoming more like Jesus. Because Jesus himself was radically generous. How do we know that? Well, just read the Gospels. Most of the Gospels are about his final week of his life. And what does Jesus do in that final week? He gives. And what does he give? His very own life. Jesus was a radical giver. He's asking you to give up what is in your hand. You know how he gave? He gave by having stakes pierced through his. And so we have got to become radically generous if we're truly going to be his follower. No one should ever have to beg you to give of your time. No one should ever have to beg you to give of your money. No one should ever have to beg you to to share your testimony about how Jesus has changed your life. We give because he first gave to us. He first loved us. We've got to become radically generous. He's changed us. He's transformed us. And he's given us so much more. In fact, so much more that we have enough of abundance to give to others. Now, switching gears just a little bit here, have you ever noticed that any, like, encounter Jesus would have with people, they usually laugh that encounter filled with joy? I mean, think of it, a a, a blind man, he he walks into the room and he's blind, he walks out and he can see. He leaves out filled with with joy. Or how about, you know, they, they carry in a crippled man, he can't walk. So he's carried into the room, but now he's had an encounter with Jesus, and what happens? He actually is leaping and dancing for joy as he leaves that room. Or you you show up to the picnic, you have five loaves of bread and two fish. That's what you have in your hand. But what do you leave with? You leave with joy. Why? Because that five loaves and two fish fed 5,000 men, plus women and children, and... There were leftovers for others to be able to take home. Such joy. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, you should have joy. Now, there are some exceptions in Scripture. Who didn't have joy when they encountered Jesus? Well, the religious people, the people that were just checking the boxes of read Scripture, check, show up the church, check, drop a couple bucks in the bucket, check. You know, they were just going through the motions. They didn't have joy around Jesus. And then there is one other notable exception of somebody who didn't have joy after his encounter with Jesus. And that's what I want to take the rest of today's message to look at. Look at Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 25. We read this. A young ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. He told Jesus, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one thing you still need to do. Go and sell everything that you own. Give the money to the poor and you will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the man heard this, he became very sad and he walked away. For he was very rich. Jesus saw how sad the man was. And so he said, it's terribly hard for rich people to get into God's kingdom. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into God's kingdom. This story is often called the story of the rich young ruler. And I believe that there are three mistakes that this guy makes in this particular story. And I want you to learn from his mistakes so that you don't become like him, so that you can learn to live this life of radical generosity. Because, see, Jesus is actually inviting you into something so much greater than what many of us are currently living. So let's look at it here. Number one, the rich young ruler had an identity problem. He had an identity problem. I mean, it's right there in what we call him, the rich young ruler. Let me ask you this question. Was he always going to be rich? In other words, after he died, would he be able to take any of his riches with him? Yes or no? No. No. Those of you online, yes or no? Type it into the chat there. Yes or no? Was he going to be rich all of his life? No. How about this? Was he always going to be young? No. No. Third one, would he always be a ruler? No. No. But yet, how do we know him? What is his identity? The rich, young ruler. Everything he was trusting in was only temporary. It was temporary, and we can't do that. We can't put our trust in things that are only temporary. That cannot be our identity. That can't be what we're known for. Listen, you are not what you do for a living. You are not your greatest failure. You're not even your greatest success. That's just not Who you are. Your identity is to be found in God and in God alone. Now, growing up, I was the son of Gilbert Dennis Thurston, Jr. The grandson of Gilbert Dennis Thurston, Sr., which makes me Gilbert Dennis Thurston III. But here's the deal. As I was growing up, Well, my my grandfather went by her middle name, Dennis, okay? And then dad goes by Gil, and then I go by Gilbert. That's how we keep us sort of separated. But it wasn't until I was probably five or six years old that I began to realize that my name wasn't Little. Because everybody called me Little Gil. Oh, there goes Little Gil. There's Big Gil, and there's Little Gil. Oh, look at Little Gil going there. And people would say this, oh, there's no denying whose son you are. You're a spitting image of your daddy. You must be Little Gil. So again, I was probably five until I realized my name wasn't Little. (laughs) It was actually Gilbert. Even in high school, turns out, and my dad and I didn't even go to the same high school. Our high school is probably 15 miles apart or so. But I ended up having two of the same teachers that he had. And guess what? On multiple occasions, guess what they would say? Oh, you're Little Gil. In other words, my identity was directly associated with my Creator. who I was known as had directly to do with my father. See where I'm going with this? Don't just shake your head. This is the audience participating. Do you see where I'm going with this? Is that amen? Do I even have to preach it? All right, I'm going to have to preach it for the rest of it. Okay, so (laughs) the rich young ruler, his identity was in I'm rich, I'm young, I'm a ruler instead of in his identity being with his heavenly father. Don't make that mistake. Again, you're not your occupation. You're not your successes, you're not your failures. You're not who other people say you are. You're not who you say you are. You're not who Satan says that you are. You are who Jesus says that you are. And you know who you are? You are a son and a daughter of the king. Who Jesus says that you are is that you're forgiven. You're cleansed, you're righteous, you're holy. That you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That you are more than a conqueror. That's who you are. That's where your identity comes from. You're never going to understand your true purpose in life and walk in your true purpose in life until you start to walk in your identity. That I am a child of the king. Think about that. You're a child of a king and guess what happens when you're a child of a king? All the blessings and all the benefits of royalty are yours. So start walking in your identity. So whatever is in your hand, if your daddy the king says give it, give it away, why? Because there's plenty more. Don't live with a scarcity mentality. Of, oh, I got to hold on tightly to this because this is all I have. No, your father is the king. He's the king. Give it away. Give it away. Be generous. Learn radical generosity in your life. Here's the second problem then. Number two on your outline. The second problem the rich young ruler had was he thought that all he had was his. Now, I just alluded to it here a second ago. You don't own anything. Nothing. You don't own anything. All you have is on loan from God. It's not yours, it's his. So anytime he asks you to give it, you give it. God, you put it into my hand, and so I'm willing to give it. And God, at any moment, if you want to take it, you can take it. Now, that sounds sort of threatening, that God's going to take it from me. But actually, and I talked about this last week, it's actually very, very freeing. When you start to understand that you own nothing, it's freeing. Let me illustrate it for you this way. Let's say today I gave you $100,000 and I said, I want you to give away this $100,000 to as many people as you want. Just go and bless people with $100,000. Man, the joy you would have. In, like, blessing people of, oh, I'm going to give to that person, I'm going to give to this person, I'm going to help this organization, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. What joy, how freeing is that of you're giving it away? Now, if it was your $100,000 and you had to give it away, you'd be like, ooh, man. But since it's Gilbert's, man, I'm giving it away. And see what the the, the principle there is simply that it's easier to give away somebody else's stuff than it is to give away your own stuff. And what I'm trying to get you to see is you don't own anything. It's not your bank account. It's not your retirement portfolio. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's not your clothing. Nothing that you have is yours. It's all God's. And He says, give it away. Give it away. And what's the principle? We talked about it last week. When you release what's in your hand, God's going to release what's in his hand. We just talked about it a couple minutes ago. He is the king. If he sees his children being obedient and blessing others, he's going to go, you know what? I'm going to give you more. I'm going to entrust you with more because it's very obvious that you're not holding tightly to it, that you're going to go and bless other people with it. So a life of of radical generosity is what we need to have. And again, it's more than just your money, your time. It's not your time, it's God's time. So give his time away to others for their benefit and to glorify him. The talents that you have, they aren't something that you discovered. God has given you those talents and he's helped you to learn to refine those talents and get better at those talents. So give your talents away to bless other people. The words that you speak, they're not your words. They're to be his words. We're supposed to be listening for the Spirit and only speaking what the Spirit says for us to share. And so if the Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, I want you to share your faith, I want you to share your testimony, I want you to share the gospel with this person or that person, you need to just be obedient. Maybe it's not even that. Sometimes it's just, hey, invite them to church next week. We have got to be good stewards of everything that God has entrusted us with. Why? Because it's not ours. We need to give and give generously. Here's the third mistake of the rich young ruler, and that was that he missed an invitation to something greater. Jesus gives him this invitation to come, follow me. But he misses it. Because all he can hear and all he can think about is the go in the sell all your stuff part of it. And thus he misses out on the greatest invitation that any of us can ever receive. And that is the invitation to come and follow Jesus. Think about how sad that is. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the king of the universe. Jesus is reaching out his hand in invitation and saying, come and follow me. But instead of seeing that hand of invitation, the only hand that the rich young ruler can see is what's in his own hand. The things that he's holding on so tightly to. And thus he misses out on this great, great invitation. And I'm begging you, don't do the same thing. Don't get so comfortable with all of your stuff that you miss out on this invitation that Jesus has to walk with him and be on mission with him. To change your neighborhood, to change your state, to change our nation, to change even the world. Don't get stuck in whatever sacrifice he's asking you to make. Because the joy is in the journey, the joy isn't in, in the stuff that you have accumulated along the journey. Be so careful. Remember what Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So the rich young ruler, he walks away sad. Because he had doubts and fears about what's going to happen if I truly commit my life to Jesus and give away everything He's asked me to give. He's got these doubts and fears, and that's what keeps many of you from living a, a very radical, generous life. is you have doubts and fears of, What if I give? of my time? What if I give of my talent? What if I give of my treasure? What if I give of my testimony? What are people going to say about me? What are people going to think about me? Will I be able to have a roof over my head? You get all this stuff in your head. You have all these doubts. But I'm encouraging you to push through and have faith even in the midst of having doubts. You're going, isn't that an oxymoron? How can you have faith and doubt at the same time? What well, is actually possible in fact, we see an example of this in Scripture. Mark chapter 9, there's a father. He brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, he's like, look, if there's anything you could possibly do to help my kid here, please, please do it. And Jesus says, if there's anything I could do, if there's anything I can do, he says, all things are possible for those who believe. But the man's response is pretty remarkable. Look at this, Mark chapter 9, verse 24. The man says, I do believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. I love that. Because he's like, I believe, but yet in the same time that I'm believing, I still have some doubts here. So can you help me to push through my doubts and fully trust you? And so today whether you're here live in the room with us, whether you're watching online live or you're watching sometime in the future. He sees your doubts. He knows your doubts. But he also wants you to have faith. And he wants you to realize it's okay to bring both of them at the same time. He's big enough to handle this. Don't be like the rich young ruler and immediately give up because the sacrifice is too great or your doubts are too large. He walked away from Jesus sad instead of walking with Jesus in faith. I'll wrap up by saying this. The same God who created you is the same God who will sustain you. Remember, he is your creator. He is the king of the universe. The same God that created you is the same God who will sustain you. But to truly have faith, it means living with hands that are wide open. Not like this. Not clinging to the things of the world. It's not your money. It's not your time. It's not your talent. It's not your words, your testimony. Open that hand up. Say, God, you gave it all to me. So how do you want me to bless others financially? How do you want me to bless others with my talents How do you want me to bless others with my time and with my words? Remember the words of Job? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what I want you to do. I want you to do what Solomon said here at the beginning of today's message. I want you to be refreshed. And how do you be refreshed? It's because you're refreshing others. You're living with hands wide open, saying, God, it's all yours, so I'm going to give, and give generously. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, these past six weeks as we've been going through the book of Proverbs and just looking at the various bits of wisdom that Solomon uh, entrusts to us and Lord, we remember that he was a loving father writing to his kids, and he was inspired by you, the heavenly father, in what to write. And so help us as we read through the Proverbs to just always realize that this is a dad who loves us and wants what's best for us. And and so right here today, we saw that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So, Lord, I pray that we would live with hands wide open, that we would just pray that prayer that I pray every day, God, I'll go where it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. I'll serve whoever it is you want me to serve. God, help us to live like that, hands wide open. Be radically generous. Why? Because you were radically generous. You gave up your life for us on the cross. You died for us. You sacrificed for us. And so now help us to have that same type of sacrificial love and radical generosity when it comes to each and every person that we encounter, whether it's in our neighborhood, in our state, in our nation, or anybody that we may encounter all around the world. It's not about us, Jesus. It's all about you. So help us to grow, to become more and more like our creator, so that people go, oh, you're little Jesus, aren't you? And that they're not saying that in a derogatory term like it originally was in the book of Acts when they were calling them little Christ. No, but they would see Jesus in us and go, wow, I see God in you. And that that would inspire people to go, I want what you have. And then Lord, give us the boldness and the courage to share our faith in those opportunities. Jesus, we thank you that Christianity isn't rocket science. It's really, really simple. Love God, love people. So help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength help us to love others with this radical, sacrificial generosity. Jesus, thank you again that you did that for us. Now help us to do that for others. I pray this in your precious and your holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.